Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where the end of the year is almost here. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. The end is here! <laughs> the ah! end is here. Uh, today, we're talking about our games of the year, because it's that time of year. We like to do this right at the end of the year, and we record a little bit early so that we can have some time off for the holidays, too. So it all works out. And generally, by this time of the year, there's not any major releases. We know that we're not going to be going through anything like missing any super major releases. That while stuff is coming out, it's not going to be something like we're missing. I don't know. We're not missing the brand new Mario or something like that or the new Pokemon. That All that stuff is out already. Yeah. So it's uh, mid-December when we're recording this. And just as a reminder, these are always based on what we played in 2019. So really anything that we kind of experienced for the first time time this year gets to be eligible so sometimes these are things from like right at the end of last year sometimes these are things from like two or three years ago that we just missed out on and we got around to this year so this is the year for us to talk about them that being said almost everything on both of our lists are actually from 2019 so it's mostly contained in this calendar year but if there's something that seems a little off there that's that's why yeah, so uh, so there's I know there are a couple on mine specifically that are slightly older, where it's uh, or well, some, one of them is not slightly older; it's pretty old. But it uh, something that I just experienced for the first time this year, and it's like, oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we should probably get into it. Uh, we always start with our honorable mentions. So these are all the things that didn't make the list, but we wanted to talk about for one reason or another. So I'll start. Because I, I, I'm really surprised at where I want to start my honorable mentions. Um, I want to start out with Dragon Quest XI-S. This surprises the, me uh, a lot. The Switch. It did me too. The more that I thought about it, the more I thought about all the games that I played this year, the more I thought about everything that went on. It's This one just barely didn't make my cutoff for top five. And... It's in my honorable mentions. Like, it's weird because this is probably, in my opinion, like the best RPG out there. Like, in every way, like in terms of story, in terms of, well, maybe not necessarily overall story and narrative, but it's got a really, really good, compelling story. The gameplay is there, the graphics are there, the extras, just everything about it is kind of like the quintessential RPG. But I couldn't quite get it into my top five because of some other stuff. Uh, that I have where I just felt a little more connected to, but it's still excellent. But it still, it surprised me it didn't make the uh, the top five. Is it, and so this would be like your number six, right? Yeah, this would probably be my number six of all of them. I wanted to start my honorable mentions with it because it was just barely, barely edged out by uh, by another game. And how much of this is, I'm just, I'm not going to stop you for all of your honorable mentions, but since this is the one just off the top of your list, I need to pick your brain right. a little bit. Is this number like right off the top five because you played the like original version of it last year already? no. No, it's not. It's because as I went through it, I didn't keep being as compelled as I was as I was going through the main story that there was stuff I expected to go through and beat at in the post game and that I still haven't gone back and beaten that uh, once I got through a lot of the post game I did it and uh, I was like yeah this is great and I'm finishing this up but once I hit a point it's like I don't even care about doing that stuff right now so it uh, and other games on my list kept me pushing through even uh, even beyond that 
uh, that kept me engaged a little bit more uh, regularly and more. Uh, uh, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Just it, they, they really just uh, just made me want to keep coming back over and over and over again. And I hit a point with 11 where it was like, OK, I'm done with this game for right now. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I just had to dig a little deeper on that one since it was just off your top five. But what else do you have yeah. on here? You have a bunch. Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three was uh, an honorable mention. It was super fun, but uh, again, it was one where Jennifer and I both just stopped playing. It was like, okay, this is a lot of fun. We'll get back to it sometime. Um, Mario Kart Tour is definitely an honorable mention for me. Um, I've stopped playing it every single day. Jennifer is not. Um, I'm going back probably tonight and working on uh, ranking myself up because the next half of the tour, uh, the next ranked tour comes up uh, on Wednesday mornings. So I'm uh, working on that, but I love it still. And then Luigi's Mansion 3 is an honorable mention. We haven't beat it yet. We've got, I think, two or three floors left. We haven't played it in a little bit because of life, but it is such an excellent game. I think it may be my favorite co-op game that uh, that we've played together in a very, very, very long time. Did you ever go back and play any more of it and co-opt a child? No, I need to. I, I should give it another shot. I just got so frustrated with the part that I was stuck on. And there was no like easy way past it or turning down to easy mode or like any of that kind of stuff. Like I would have taken any of that in the moment. But then I kind of like I put it down and I moved on to other things. And then I just keep not thinking about it because I've moved past it. I kind of mentally classified it as like done in my mind. Mm. And I'm, I'm on to other games now. So maybe over the, the holiday break here when we're off for a couple of weeks, I'll give it another shot. Because it was really good up until the point where I just like hit a wall, basically. And I'm curious about that. I mean, I know you hit a wall, and I know that uh, because you got to a point where mechanically it was not fun. And you're absolutely, I'm 100% there with you. Um, your daughter loves these games so much. Did she push past that part by herself? Uh, because, like, she cleared Dark Moon 100% by herself. Like, she loved it and just went through it. Did she do that with this one on that part that you were just like, nah, I'm done? No, it's kind of interesting. Like, they were both playing together because, like you said, it's a co-op game. Um, so she was really taking the lead. My son was kind of taking second player and they were having fun with it, but they kind of put it down and just didn't come back to it. It was one of those things huh. where like they played it really, really intensely for a week or two. And then I don't know, something else came out or they just set it down for a little bit. And then Pokemon came out a little bit later and oh. once Pokemon was out, they were into that. And so like, that's kind of the main thing that they've been playing since then, because she loves that game like she really liked luigi i think but i'm guessing that her game of the year might be pokemon i don't know i'm mm. hoping that i can sneak her onto this episode later in the episode and pick her brain a little bit about her top games too okay cool that'll be really awesome to hear and speaking of pokemon my next one was actually pokemon ultra sun uh going way back uh where that was one of the ones i played earlier this year after i got pikachu let's go nope let's go pikachu and uh beat it and it was an honorable mention because i know a lot of people don't like them i know a lot of people have a big problem with that kind of the that generation of pokemon games but i came in as uh kind of a fresh like first in a long time uh, of pokemon games and i adored ultra sun and so i just had a lot of fun with it and got to collect legendaries and i just liked the game so i had fun with it it, it, it hit an honorable mention part for me and then kingdom hearts 3 uh, again i'm one of the few people i think who legitimately loved kingdom hearts 3 um i haven't gone back and platinumed it like i thought because once again i was done with it i was done 
done and I didn't want to go back and go through a lot of the more menial parts of it because once I stopped playing it and doing the stuff I enjoyed I just kind of moved on to something else but uh, the new DLC of it is out and I'm trying to decide I think it's out if it's not out it's coming out very 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 soon and I'm trying to decide whether or not it's worth the $30 they're charging for it. It is a $30 DLC pack, which seems insane to me. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot, unless it's like Torna, like where it's its own like 30 or 40 hour uh, kind of standalone campaign. It's seeming like it's just more uh, Nomura being Nomura at this point. So we'll see about the DLC. But the main game, I really, really, really loved. And then there was the PS4 Spider-Man game that I finally really got into. Like, I finally dug into it. Like, I'd played it for a little while when you beat all of it last year and uh, went through and did the DLCs as they all came out. And it was this year that I really dug into it that I I just kind of stopped playing it last year. Other stuff came up. This year I dug in, and it is a magnificent game that I'm... Very likely, I'm actually considering getting the DLC to play over Christmas break uh, to go through just because I love the uh, game so much. I just haven't played it yet. So the Spider-Man PS4 game, absolutely worth whatever you have to pay for. It's still just a a top-notch game, and I can't wait for a sequel and to get through the DLC. Yeah, I agree. That one was really good. That was one of my top ones last year. If not the top, I, think so. I don't remember. It was, it was near the top for sure. Like even playing it has made me want to play that weird looking Avengers game that Square Enix is doing. <laughs> yep. Um, I have. I haven't watched any of the uh, the new stuff they've released since the very, very first uh, impressions that we got at E3. So I don't know if they've improved the look of the Avengers game any, but the Spider-Man PS4 game was so good, it made me want to play the Avengers game just straight up out of hoping that it's anywhere near that good. So very good. Um, Cat Quest is on there just because it was such a surprise on how much I liked it. I usually don't like the uh, the, the the twitchy kind of rolling loot uh, going around uh, action RPG stuff too much, but this one was adorable and I loved it and I really need to play Cat Quest 2 more now. And then finally, Legend of Heroes, uh, Trails in the Sky. Um, Trolls in the Sky is fantastic. It's one of the best written RPGs I've ever played. I stopped playing it um, about probably midway through it, uh, not for any reason on it, like my Vita died. And so I had to charge it and play something else while it was charging. And I got so engrossed in whatever it was that I was playing, I haven't gone back to it. But uh, Trails in the Sky is fantastic and it is one of the best written rpgs i've ever played like it is very 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 insanely good and uh, i just heard that cold steel that trails of cold steel is being released uh Trails of Cold Steel 3 is coming out on the Switch, so hopefully that'll mean that the uh, at least one and two of it will be released on the Switch, too. So I need to get through this one well before then. <laughs> cool. No, it's always interesting to hear like what just doesn't quite make the list, but it's still worth talking about. Because some of these on your list, uh, for honorable mentions, I would have sworn would have made like the cut for your top five. Yeah, me too. I w- I'm looking at it, and there are things like, especially uh, Dragon Quest XI S. I looked at as I was going through all of the documents and seeing it's like 
that didn't leave nearly as much of an impact as this one did. Holy cow, that was this year. That stuff that I thought was last year that I really, really, really gravitated to was like in March of this year and not of last year. Like everything has been just a giant blur to me <laughs> over the last little while. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons that we like to do this episode. It's fun to kind of revisit everything and see like what was actually in this year, like where's the cutoff point, that kind of thing. Yeah, it was. It's crazy. So that's the 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 video game honorable mentions. And I know you've got like uh, different slight. Ca- <laughs> and I know you have different categories among your honorable mentions because but I don't do like board and card games. I haven't played anything like that. I guess if the only thing I had to put on that would be Dungeons and Dragons, a uh, fifth edition, because I got really into it for a few weeks there and then just kind of stopped going to the groups that were around here. It never quite 100 percent clicked with the folks I was playing with and the way that all of the uh, games were set up. But if I had something like that, it it would definitely be that because I do like fifth edition a lot. So uh, that would probably be the uh, only other one I can think of this year that that would make that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I always like to do subcategories of honorable mentions because I usually have a bunch of them. So mm-hmm. this year is no different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, board and card games is kind of a good place to start. Um, Star Wars Outer Rim is one that I kind of I went on not a huge buying spree but like a mini spree of like I think I got three or four games rapid fire that I've been looking at thinking about and I got them all and this is like the one out of those that left an impression I I haven't gotten it on the table as much as I want to I'm hoping I'll get it out again over winter break and I want to try it like when I played I played with my brother and my kids and I think I would like to just play like around with my brother and just see how that goes with two player and then maybe around with like just the kids and see how that goes and then maybe even a solo round so there's stuff i want to do with it but it it is what it says on the box right it's like it's star wars it's outer rim it feels like you are a scoundrel or a bounty hunter or you know a smuggler like one of those type of things that's what the game is trying to channel and it definitely gets there so i like that one a lot because it hits the tone that it's going for and not every board game does that and then yeah Oh, no, no, that was it. Just, yeah, it's very hard for some board games to actually live up to the potential they have. Yeah, and then the other one here is Arboretum, which I know I've talked about a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but this is my favorite game that I played with my family this year. And right. it's not complicated. It's not super themed. It's not like any of the things that I'm normally talking about when I'm talking about games. It is a fairly straightforward card game, and it's about, like, building a beautiful arboretum with different tree types and it's it's a card game it's kind of there's strategy in it where you might want to hold on to some cards so that other people can't quite make a row of trees the way they want to or sometimes like you're drawing out of other people's piles or messing with people but a lot of it is really just like focused on what's in your hand what are in all the discard piles because there's multiple ones and just trying to like make the prettiest and most successful arboretum in front of you as you like build it out over the course of the game and this is one that again i want to get it on the table more i haven't done as much board gaming this year as i'd like to have but this is one that my family always has fun doing with the four of us so i have to call it out for that reason how do you think that one i know i asked you before but how do you think that one would do as a two-player game can you do it with uh just a partner yeah, no, it's really good as a two-player. It's good with okay. two, three, or four. It's good for like all of those player counts because I've done it with okay. all of those, and it's always been fun. Awesome, because that's one of the things. That sometimes they say you can play it with two, but it might not actually be a very fun or good game that way. Right. No, you just take out certain tree types because the trees are basically suits 
in you know a card oh, okay. game. So right. um, the amount of different trees that are in the deck corresponds to how many players are playing the game. So you know you'll have like I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe it's like eight for a four player game, and then like seven for a three player game, and six for a two player game. You know, it's something like that. Like it scales with the amount of people yeah. that are playing. And as long as you do that and you look at the setup instructions, it's good with all those player counts. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And so another thing I want to call out here um, for video games is really like services. And I think this is the year where I need to give them an honorable mention because they are slowly redefining the gaming industry. And I think they're going to play a huge role in the next generation of consoles and games and everything. And this is the year where it feels like we have rounded a corner like you know turned like the something happened this year where it catalyzed finally and these were kind of bubbling there was always something like this in the background there have been game services in one kind or another for a long time i mean just like a game fly but this is the year where big publishers started doing it and it was starting to really look enticing so the two i Mm -hmm. wanted to call out were apple arcade because it's such a major player and it could completely redefine the way that we do mobile games going forward Granted, they need to get more games out. They need more support. There's a lot of things that need to happen. It hasn't been out for more than a couple months at this point. But there's so much potential, and it's such a huge thing for the industry that that happened that I have to give it an honorable mention. And then the other one is the Xbox Games Pass because that one seems like it's ready to, like, redefine consoles, basically. It... There's so many games on it, and every Microsoft first-party studio game going forward is going to be on it day and date that the game comes out. And I think that is crazy compelling, right? It's like if Sony were to say that every one of their exclusive games on PlayStation is going to be out in a Sony Games Pass, and it's going to release on day one. Like, it's crazy. And the fact that Microsoft committed to that, that's what convinced me to go and, like, get an Xbox One and give it a shot. And... It's really making me think that, okay, well, what do I want for the next generation? Maybe I don't just default to PS5. Maybe I actually need to give Microsoft a real look because of Games Pass. Yeah, Game Pass is really the uh, reason I'm looking at the Xbox 2 or whatever Project Scarlet is going to end up being called, that it's such a good deal that, uh, especially for casual gamers who really don't want to drop $60 at a time, but $60 over six months isn't that big a deal uh, to be able to play this many games, that it's re- this really is a system seller. That if they are neck and neck at the beginning and I can only pick one console if they're if like i said if they're neck and neck it'll be the xbox based on game pass which is huge i mean the fact that you're thinking about that alone says a ton about how compelling it is yep and playstation has what playstation now i think it's called something like that where you can download some games but it's nowhere near as extensive or as like value the value you get as game pass is that's not even downloading games that's like the PlayStation streaming thing. Oh, is that the streaming yeah, thing? I so haven't even tried it. That would be equivalent to like Microsoft uh, xCloud. And okay. one of the interesting things with xCloud is that Microsoft is being, they're not hiding it, but they're being very low key about it. And it, it goes hand in hand with um, Game Pass, I think, because what I suspect is going to happen is once xCloud is good enough that they want people to actually start seeing it and using it they're going to wrap that into game pass ultimate and it is going to be even more compelling because the only real interesting thing about stadia for me anyway and 
is like being able to play a high quality game on your phone or your iPad anywhere, no matter where you are, away from home or in bed or whatever, right? Right. And pick up where you left off and go and like play it on a different device later. What if you could do that with your Xbox? I think that's what xCloud is going to get us to. We're just not quite there yet. So that's another one to kind of keep your eye on. It hasn't made a huge splash yet, but I feel like if they do the right thing with that and wrapping it into Game Pass in an intelligent way, xCloud might become a huge player next console generation too. Yeah, if there's something like that where I can take my iPhone, hook up an Xbox One controller to it, sit in a hotel and play my Xbox games just by streaming it like that, absolutely a game changer and something I would do. Uh, But if I have to have a a console to stream it like if i have to be sitting at my tv to stream a uh, a video game to my console then i'm not going to care about that i'm just going to want to download the game like yeah. that doesn't it's the portability of the streaming that helps me not the actual streaming itself yep yep for sure so something to keep an eye on as we go forward with games pass and all the other microsoft stuff in the next generation um, my other honorable mentions are more straight up games. So I kind of have a subsection of a subsection here because that's the way that <laughs> I roll. Um, Apple Arcade games that didn't quite make the cut for games of the year, but I still liked them a lot. So Grindstone was an extremely well executed puzzle game. I liked it a lot. I still pick away at it every once in a while. Over the Alps was probably my favorite interactive fiction game of the year. You know, like choose your own adventure, that kind of yep. thing. And we've talked about how I like that kind of game. It It wasn't as it wasn't crazy super high quality to the point where it made my top five but it still was probably my favorite one of those of the entire year so it was really good awesome. over the alps and then what the golf which i know you and i both talked <laughs> about a lot when it came out i still think yeah. it's one of the most creative mobile games that i've ever seen and it's probably one of the best mobile games just full stop it's just really good yeah it's just a good game that it's just a good game and it happens to be on mobile with a good mobile control style like yes. it's just a good game exactly and then um so getting away from apple arcade again uh outer wilds outer wilds is the best game of the year that i wish i could have played more of but i couldn't because it made me motion sick <laughs> like that's Aww. where i landed with outer wilds it was incredibly well done the exploration was like nothing i've ever experienced before but after playing like a half an hour of that game just because of the way the spaceship controls happen and like the yaw and the pitch and the twisting and stuff every time it would make me motion sick and i don't know why because i don't get motion sick easily it's just it hit the sweet spot for me in the worst way possible so i only played probably three three and a half hours of that game ever and it was incredible but i had to put it down so i fully anticipate that outer wilds is going to be on a lot of game of the year lists and i have to acknowledge it because it was really really good what i played but i wish i could have put like the 20-ish hours in to really explore everything i was interested in instead of having to go okay i don't really feel good i think i have to put this game down yeah and i didn't get to play enough of it on game pass when i downloaded it i just it i wanted to try it and i wasn't in the mood for an obsidian style I wasn't in the mood for the Fallout style. This isn't um, that game. RPG. This is this is Outer Wilds. This is not Outer Worlds. Oh, Outer Wilds. Oh yeah, this is the yes. Never mind. Yeah. I remember this game. You're absolutely right. So Outer I Worlds. No, complete... this is good. You should call this out because a lot of people would be confused. Outer Worlds is one that's like a Fallout style game. It was it was solid. Like if you want that kind of game, it's good. It's modern. It's sci-fi. I enjoyed it. I kind of mainlined it over a weekend, and it was good. Outer Wilds is an indie exploration game where you are kind of exploring the solar system and you have about 
20 minutes to explore before the solar system explodes and then you reset. So it's right. time loops and every time you loop, you get to go back to square one and kind of explore a different direction or try a different thing. And the exploration is organic in a way that I've never experienced before in any game. It, it was just incredible. And I remember you telling me about this with just the way that you're hitting different areas of the solar system. And I've wanted to try this one. And it's just one of those that's always just kind of skirted the outside of me doing at all. Like, I haven't seen it on anything for me to just grab and do and i haven't felt like like seeking it out i haven't ever thought about it so um eventually i'm gonna try this because of how good you said it was but i just haven't done it yet and this is one that is on xbox one game pass i'm not sure if it's on the pc version of game pass but you might want to look there so if you're out there listening and you have an xbox one with game pass grab it and give it a shot it's good yeah, that's really awesome. I didn't, I haven't even thought about that one because I pl- I got Game Pass to play Outer Worlds, and when you were talking about this, I was like, man, I don't remember you telling me about, uh, I don't remember you telling me about the motion sickness on that. But, <laughs> different game. You, you're not going. At, it's like, yeah, it's a totally different game. Yeah, <laughs> that would be why. Um, and then Untitled Goose Game has to get a shout out because it's the best game of the year about being a mean goose. It was fun. It was fun to honk. It's not my top five of the year but i definitely had fun honking and flapping my wings and being a goose for a little bit um and then kind words it was just a really nice game like it is it's super kind it deserves a call out did you ever check this one out Yes, I went and bought it the day that you told me about it when we recorded. I went and bought Kind Words, and it is just a nice game. It is just people are being nice to each other. It's the one where you kind of put your thoughts out into the world, and people write nice things back. And it's real people, and it's very heavily moderated so that it doesn't devolve into horribleness. But also, Mm -hmm. it's kind of an off-the-radar game, so that helps it not devolve into horribleness also. And... You kind of like, you know, if something's worrying you, if something's troubling you, or if you just have a random thought, you put it in a letter, you hit the send button, and then you just get responses from strangers, and you never get to meet them. You don't get to know who they are. And the letters and the responses are both limited in characters, so you never really get more than a paragraph, but it's enough that... It's just, it's kind of incredible that that game exists and that it's good. Yeah, and it's really interesting on that how, uh, like, part of it is you talking about it being moderated and heavily moderated, which it is, but it's uh, also, it's got that paywall where people aren't going to pay like the $5 or something that this game is to go troll somebody. They're going to go on Reddit instead, but it's somebody who just kind of wants to be nice and have a chill time, and that's exactly what it is, and it's a nice way to spend the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. And then uh, my last honorable mention is, and I saved this one for the end. I guess we're kind of bookending here. This would be the one that would be my number six. This is the one that if you had asked me any other time during the year before when I was actually putting my list together, I would have said this is top five for sure. And it just barely missed the cut. So this is Magic the Gathering Arena. And mm-hmm. I was I actually didn't find this on your list. It wasn't in the top five. And I went back and I like scrolled through uh, the notes up and down a few times before I actually saw that it was at the top of this page, how it got like, broken off, because I was about to text you, dude, you forgot Magic the Gathering. I think you need to look at your top five again. <laughs> and I didn't. It's just it's number six. It doesn't quite make the top five. And so I learned that when the meta is good, I really like magic and that is such a win for me because I've never broken through that barrier before to the point where I actually could say like I enjoy Magic the Gathering and now Mm -hmm. I can say that and I also learned that I really really like sealed events sealed is super fun and 
I'm decently good at it. I'm not like really good, but I'm decently good. So I don't get utterly crushed like I do if I try to draft something. And I, you know, I kind of fell in with it for parts of the year. And then towards the end here, I've fallen out because the way the meta went. But really, this isn't off of my list because of where the meta is right now. This is just off my list because of how much I weigh single player and story driven experiences compared to a multiplayer experience. Right. And that should probably, that says a lot about me, right? Like the fact that single player and narrative focus and stuff like that is so much more impactful to me than a multiplayer competitive game. That is the reason that this is not like in the top five and that it's just barely off of it. I understand that. I can absolutely see that. I was just thinking about how deep you had gone into it. I was like, how? How in the world did he not even list it as an honorable mention? Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. But I, but then I went back and I saw this just where it broke. It was uh, just hard for me to see as I was reading through. So yeah, but I totally understand your reasoning behind that. That's kind of it for honorable mentions. Uh, the other thing that we try not to do do a whole lot during the years ask for reviews and really like hit the patreon hard we usually mention that kind of thing but not super in depth but seriously if you guys can give us a review on a platform it's like the best holiday gift it's one of the things that really helps other people see the podcast and get some exposure and get it in front of other people so that we can build our community and it it's just so huge for us every time we see a review come in so I always like to take a pause, especially here with our end of the year episodes, to be like, if you haven't given us a review yet, seriously, do it like now before you forget, because you're not going to remember at the end of the episode. You're not going to remember tomorrow. Like now would be the time. If you could do us a huge favor, pause, take two minutes out of your day and give us a review on whatever platform you're on right now, we would we would so appreciate it. It would be huge. And same thing for Patreon, right? And the Patreon is is the best way for you to support the podcast. Uh, we we go put all the money back into it in some way. Uh, so please go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and check it out. See if there's anything there that uh, that screams like, hey, I want to do this and help you guys. So if you want to throw a few bucks our way uh, as a way, as a way of saying thank you, we will say thank you to you as well. Yeah, I mean, it funds the hosting, you know, it keeps the show going and it helps us grow the the network. Like, we don't really make money off of it. We take anything that we get and we put it right back into the podcast or the network or any of that. So if you want more, if you want more community, if you want more interaction, if you want more podcasts on the network and stuff like that, that's what we do with it. So now is the time, right? Like, this is the time of year where we'd say it's huge. And I promise after we get through these end of the year episodes, these once a year, a little bit of begging, um, we'll go back to just kind of <laughs> casually mentioning it for the next 50 episodes. But it's it's time to take a pause and say it really does mean a lot to us. Um, okay, before we dive into games of the year, this is where if I'm able to convince some special guests that happen to be members of my family to uh, record with me, I will put it in. And if not, then you'll just hear us start talking about games of the year. So that cut would be right here. Okay, I'm here with my first special guest. What time is it right now? Um, it's, oh yeah, Luigi time. It is Luigi time, apparently, according to my son. Um, so you have a couple games of the year that you wanted to talk about, right? Yes. And you have two games of the year. Did you rank them number one and number two, or are they just your two favorites? Number one and number two. Okay, so for dramatic tension, we start with number two, and then we'll come around to number one. So what's your number two game of the year? Pokemon Sword. Why is Pokemon Sword your number two game of the year? I don't know. You don't know? But you liked it. You played it a lot, right? Yeah. What did you enjoy about it? Um, that um, there's new Pokemon in a gallery region. Yeah? Anything else that you really liked about it? 
that um there's some more characters um and there's these new things called league league cards um and you collect them and you make your own too cool so would you recommend that for other people yeah yeah you'd recommend it okay and so then what's your number one game of the year Luigi's Mansion 3E. Luigi's Mansion 3. What made it your game of the year? Why did you really like it? Because um, it's like my first Luigi's Mansion game I played, um, except I beat the Luigi's Mansion at Dave & Buster's. Yeah, so it's your first Luigi's Mansion on a console. Yeah. And you played it a bunch, right? Yeah. Did you have fun playing it with your sister too? Yeah. Tell me about the co-op. So... It's like um one person is Luigi and they play like as the main character and then when Professor Egad gives you um a thing of goo f- for the poltergust um, yeah. then um there's Gooigi so it's Luigi and Gooigi for one player and two player Perfect. So you liked Pokemon Sword and you liked Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, and another thing about Luigi's Mansion 3 is so Luigi like can't go through really tight spaces, but Gooigi can. And my sister was like, um, that she can't go through spikes, but then um I just ran past her and then ran through those spikes. You had that second player advantage because you were Gooigi? Yeah. Good. So, two games of the year, you liked them a lot? Yeah. Recommend them to other people? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for being on the podcast. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, yeah, not Luigi time. Here is my second special guest. You may know her as my daughter. You can say something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hi. Hi. Uh, So, you have three games of the year, and you ordered them. Three, two, one for us, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's start with your number three. What's your third favorite game of the year? Uh, it's Roblox, and you can get it on an iPad, tablet, I think, and a computer, maybe? And phone, too, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so it's on a bunch of stuff. What did you like about Roblox this year? I like it because my friend across the street, me and her, play Roblox together, sometimes after school, and the game that we normally play is is Theme Park Tycoon 2, which is basically a game where... You can build a theme park. Well, you and your brother have also played. You play all sorts of games because it's like a ton of games in there. So I've seen you play Epic yeah. Mini Games. I've seen you play that, Titanic. That, that's a, Epic Mini Games is a game where there's a lot of mini games inside of the one game. Okay, so what was your second favorite game of the year? Number it, two. It was Luigi's Mansion 3, which is on Nintendo Switch only. And that was actually on your brother's list too for one of his top two. So you both liked that one a lot. What did you like about it? I liked it because, one, I really like all of the Luigi's Mansions games. And all of the ghosts always look different. And normally it's a mansion, but this time it's a hotel, which really surprises me. Yeah. Did you like the gameplay in the hotel? Yeah, I'm on the gardener's level and I'm not even on the boss yet. And there's also a new guy called Gooigi. Goo Luigi. Yeah. Together. He can slip through bars. You don't want to get him close to water or else he'll disappear, but he'll go back in, into your poltergust. And the poltergust this time is called the poltergust G00. So a lot of variety this time around. Yeah. And did you have fun playing with your brother too? Yeah, we always did multiplayer. What was your top game of the year? It was Pokemon Sword, or you could do Pokemon Shield, but I got Pokemon Sword. Yeah, what'd you like about it? Oh, it's only on Nintendo Switch, and I liked it because... 
I, I'm still playing it, same with Luigi's Mansion, but I like it because there's a wild area which Pokemon just roam freely, and it's not all random this time. Sometimes in certain parts of the game, I think, maybe, I don't know, but some Pokemon might just be around the place randomly, but in most Pokemon games, it's just Pokemon are hidden in the grass and you can't see them at all. But in this one, you can see all of the Pokemon in the grass, and sometimes they can come out of their area. And in the wild area, it's all that. Yeah, I like the wild area a lot, too. Was that your favorite part, the wild area? Or did you like playing through the story and beating the actual game? Uh, I didn't beat the game yet. You're right near the end. You're eight gyms in. Yeah, I am. I just I completed all the gyms yet already. Yeah, you're farther than I am. So you like the game overall? My absolute favorite part about it is the wild area. That's great. So those are your games of the year, right? Three, two, one? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for being on the podcast. And Beach, hi. Okay, we're back. Maybe. Or maybe we didn't go anywhere. I don't know because I haven't recorded that yet. Um, Games of the year time. Five to one. Right. You can kick us off. What's your number five? Cosmic Star Heroine. Finally, it has hit my top five games of the year. It. Uh, I pre-ordered the game the moment you told me about it while we were recording an episode. I pre-ordered it, I think, back during season one, uh, well before uh, we had really, really dug into how the podcast was going. Um, it came out on Steam. I played it a little bit, decided to wait on the Vita version. Um or the PlayStation, yeah, wait on the Vita version. They released it on PlayStation 4. The Vita one had to come out later than that, so I bought it on the PS4. Finally played it on the Vita this year, and it turned out to be one of my favorite RPG combat systems I've ever played. It is an indie game that is kind of a spiritual follow-up to uh, Chrono Trigger, and the combat system is just amazing. Uh, they're actually putting out a second game using that combat system really soon called Cthulhu Saves Christmas, which is going to be ridiculous and uh but this game um it made my my top five of the year over things like dragon quest 11s because it made me get my first platinum trophy where i'd mentioned earlier that dragon quest 11s kind of made me stop and be like yeah i don't know if i want to go through and do all of this stuff cosmic star heroine made me go through and get a platinum trophy on it so it was one of those games that really surprised me how much i wanted to see and experience everything that i could out of it and i mean it's like a 10 hour rpg that you can get a lot of times on switch or or vita or playstation or Xbox or Steam. It's on everything at this point. Sometimes you can get it as low as like $3. I think it's 15 normally. And it is absolutely worth every penny and second that you play in it. Like, it is great. That's I huge. I'm so glad that you finally got around to it and that you liked it as much as you were hoping that you would. Yeah, and that that's really where it is, too. I had built it up in my mind as being this game that I was really, really excited about, and I had a specific set of circumstances under which I wanted to play it, and those kind of hit where I was playing mobile games. I needed a short RPG uh, between other things. It was uh, uh, I was able to just lay on the couch and play this. It wasn't stressful, and it was compelling. So, so yeah, it's just it's a super good game. It was my number five. That's awesome. My number five is actually on your list, but you have it higher. So I'm going to wait until we get to the higher number on your list, and then we can talk about it together. So what's right. your number four? My number four is Dragon Quest Nine, the 
old Nintendo DS game, Dragon Quest Nine. Um, and this just one for is reference, actually, if you guys forgot from like twenty minutes ago, this is beating Dragon Quest Eleven on his list, which is crazy to me after the year that you've had telling me about that game. Yes, um, this is because I had a better time playing the game. That objectively, Eleven S is the better game. It's better in every single way, pretty much, objectively. But subjectively, there were enough things in 9, like being able to completely customize my party, uh, being able to uh, change their hairstyle, being able to actually see the armor that I wore on my characters as I went through. The story uh, was dealt with divinity and the divine and like falling from heaven. Uh, you were playing like a guardian angel. Just like everything about it kind of came in with this making it the perfect uh, Dragon Quest game for me. Like it really is my favorite mainline Dragon Quest game. That's that's awesome. I'm glad that you found it. I mean, you've been really exploring Dragon Quest the whole year with your podcast and the fact that you went back and you loved this game so much is I'm, I'm really happy for you like on a large scale even though i'm surprised at where it lands within this year but just the fact that like you found a series that you love and you found a game that you love so much in that series like that makes me happy the only problem that i really have with this game and austin and i are actually doing a uh, a deep dive a four episode deep dive on dragon quest 9 uh starting this week actually so y'all guys go listen to dragon quest fm and you can hear me talk even more about it in depth um but the main thing that really uh it stinks about this game that I really don't like is the end game, the post game of it, where it gets very repetitive and you're going through kind of randomized dungeons and treasure hunting to find just another dungeon so that you can find another dungeon, that kind of thing, where there's not really anything more than just uh, getting new materials for new crafting to push you forward. And that I didn't like. But uh, other than that, it's a it's one of those games that I am dying for a re-release of, the remaster or a remake, because it is nowhere but the Nintendo DS. It is one of the only, I think it might be the only Dragon Quest game that hasn't been like remastered or ported to a different system. Interesting. Well, and I'm... so it needs to be. <laughs> it should be. No, I I've heard so many good things about that game over the years, so I'm glad that you found it and you love it as much as you do. Yep. Yeah. So what was your number four then? My number four was a Final Fantasy game. So Final Fantasy Pep. 14 Shadowbringers is my number four. Nice. And I'm surprised because it's an MMO, right? It's, right? it's a multiplayer game. It's not a competitive multiplayer game. So again, this goes to my bias and like what I really like in a game. Um, you know, it's co-op. And the thing that I liked about this game wasn't even the co-op aspect. It's the fact that it was a really, really good Final Fantasy game. Like the single player story in this, even though there are, you know, there are things along the way where you have to group up for dungeons and stuff. Mm -hmm. Despite that, it's still single player at its core. Like there is a single player story here and this is the best MMO story I've ever seen. And this is also a really, really good Final Fantasy story. It's easily in the top half of Final Fantasy stories. It's probably in the top fourth of Final Fantasy stories. I don't think it's the absolute top, but like I, I could make an argument like I could construct that argument. And I have friends that would, that would say this is the best Final Fantasy story ever. Um, I wouldn't go that far, which is why it's my number four. It's not my number one, right? But it is such a solid 
like experience and story and that's what i keep coming back to because the mechanics are mmo that's another reason it's not higher on the list is like the mechanics aren't going to blow you away it's still the same final fantasy 14 mmo you're still doing the same kind of mechanics there's nothing really new there yeah there's some abilities there's some things they shifted around but it's an mmo it's hot bar combat it's what you expect the story is what makes this game for me and i loved this story and starting to see how they have planted these seeds over the last like three expansions all the way back to like a realm reborns um not maybe not the base game but like the patches afterwards Mm -hmm. things from that far back are now starting to come to fruition and all tie together in incredible ways and the fact that they were able to do that and it looks like it's going to pay off over the next couple expansions is just it's incredible like and the thing is I can't really explain it because I've put hundreds of hours into this game. You need like two or 300 hours of gameplay to get to the point where I am now. And most people aren't going to do that. But also you don't want to sit here and listen to me summarize a story because without context, it just sounds like I'm blabbing. So that's probably where I have to leave it. This game does make the cut for me. I mean, it's my number four for the year. It's an amazing Final Fantasy story. I really, really liked it. And this is a game that I was so excited for that I went out and bought it. I even bought the boost for my character because I was not really enjoying where the end of Stormblood's story was going. And so I just kind of pushed my way through it. I'll go through it with a different character. And I was really excited to get into Shadowbringers. I bought it, and I just never logged in. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't I mean, care. You might, though. It was you like, might get around to it. I got... Oh, I'm going to. Like, that's the thing. I, I bought I was ready to log in. And there was like, oh, this is an MMO, though. Don't want to play an MMO. And that's what got it for me and knocked it out of me even playing it this year was because of those MMO mechanics. That every time I've tried one this year, it has been a very, very quick bounce. That I'm just not in the mood for that kind of gameplay, no matter how good the story is. Yeah, and I can understand that. It, like I said, the gameplay is not what sold me on it. The gameplay is not what I would sell anybody else on on it. It's right. it's the story. If you're in the mood for a really good story and you don't mind MMO combat, it's a fantastic game. Um, okay, I have a trick question for you. What's your number three for the year? Uh, my number three is higher up on your list, so it I is. can't talk about it yet. It is. So we'll come back to me with my number three. Uh, my number three is Sayonara Wild Hearts. And this is one where I went back and forth between my number two and my number three on this list. Um, the rest of the list was basically locked in for a while. Mm-hmm. And these two have flipped places a bunch of times. So this almost made number two, but I eventually moved it to number three. It's really, really good. It It's like the experience of it is pretty incredible. And just having a a music-driven game that's kind of telling a story. And, I mean, this one is really – it's an experience. It's like an experimental album turned into video game form that you experience through playing it. And the gameplay is not super complicated, but just the headspace that this game put me in when I was playing it and the fact that I've gone back and I've played it, like, two full times after that. Like, I've played through the whole game start to finish three times. Granted, the Mm -hmm. game's not that long. It's, like, 60 to 90 minutes. But – it, it's great, and I want to go back, and I want to play it again. I'm probably going to play it start to finish again over break because it yep. left such an impression. And it was one of those where I have warmed up to it more and more over the course of the year as I've thought about it more, and also as I've gone back and I've replayed it and re-experienced it. And every time I do that, it has moved higher on my list. So it makes the cut at number three. Sayonara Wild Hearts was just, it was so good. I love that game. 
it's so good that you played it on mobile, you played it on Apple Arcade, and I bought it on Switch, and it's just good. That it was one that didn't make the honorable mentions cut just because I had so many other things on there. But yeah, it's absolutely worth paying for or doing the Apple Apple subscription. Although I do think it's better with a controller than using the Apple, like the iPhone controls. Yeah, and that's how I played it the the whole time. I should mention when I played it on the phone and the times that I've gone back and played it on iPad, I always paired a controller with it because I tried the touch controls for about a minute and I was like, "Ew!" You know, it just it wasn't the right way to play it. I didn't like that at all. It was really pairing a controller with it that gave me the experience that I'm talking about. Yeah, and the controller does so, so nice. It's such a good game. It was honestly, it was a combination of the controller and headphones. And just like getting into that headspace to experience the music and really take it in. I don't think if I had experienced this for the first time on a TV like you did, I don't think this would have made the cut on my list. I think the headphones were actually like a critical part of it. And I wouldn't have realized that if I didn't go back and play through it and think about this game so much between when it came out and now. But for me that that headphone aspect of really being in the zone devoting myself to it for like an hour you know to maybe an hour and a half of uninterrupted time that's what gave me the experience that makes this game so high on the list and i haven't done it with headphones but i've done it on the big tv and that's where a lot of it shines for me after going back and playing it on handheld and on the main tv it's just beautiful and having the sound just boom through the room is just as as just just a great experience as well cool that's awesome um what is your number 2 Okay, my number two is your number five. It is. Yes, it's time to talk about it, but it's your number two, so I want you to talk about it first. It is. So it's Jedi Fallen Order, and this is one of those games that we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, so y'all can go listen to some specifics that we were talking about then, but Jedi Fallen Order ended up being my number two partly because it was such a surprise to me, because I had zero hope for this game. If you guys going, if you guys go back and listen to the E3 episode and where we're talking earlier this year about the initial like release footage and what this game is going to be, I am a negative Nancy. Like this is a AAA Star Wars games like Battlefront 2, EA is garbage, blah 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 blah, and I am eating my words that this turned out to be a fantastic game, a fantastic story. The combat can be toned down if you hate souls type uh games as much as i do where you're just not feeling that combat it you can actually turn it into a pretty close to a force unleashed style just fight everything with your lightsaber game Uh, it's got great exploration um and even on a playstation the original playstation 4 where uh you you don't have that power behind it it's beautiful and the only problem that i ever really ran across was in the load times that made me turn the combat down onto an easier mode like it's it's so so good and i haven't gone back and platinumed it like i said i was going to um i've picked away at it a little bit uh, a little bit more but it's still fun to go and just explore and see things so it's it's definitely my number two game of the year where i've just spent so much time on it and felt so immersed it was one that pulled me in and made me want to experience that game which is really one of those things that that sits with me with video games when i'm ranking them on 
on like, do I want to play this again? Do I want to recommend this to people? This one is absolutely that because it grabbed me so hard and I wanted to keep playing it no matter what. Yeah, and I mean, it's my number five. Like, it made my top five. It's not a two for me. It's not right up at the top. Um, But really, that's because of the story versus gameplay here, and it's all subjective, right? Like, if you are a fan of Metroidvanias, if you're a fan of exploration, uh, of a certain type of exploration, I should say, that's Metroidvania-esque, if you are a fan of, like, Souls-like combat, this might be your game of the year, and I completely see how it could be. For me... Uh, I'm okay with those things, but I don't love them. But I do love Star Wars, and I do love a really good Star Wars story. And this is probably one of the best Force user stories that we've ever gotten in Star Wars. And Mm -hmm. that is really the reason it's on my list, is because of the story that I got to experience. That being said, like, it's a little rough around the edges. Like, the gameplay wasn't perfect for me for what I was looking for. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the sequel to this game ends up at, like, number one or number two, whatever year it comes out on my list. Because if they refine it, if they put in a little bit more time with polishing and, like, smoothing out some of the rough edges, I would have liked this game even better and it would be even more compelling. So we'll see what lessons they took away from this game because I got to believe that they're going to have a sequel at some point. Yeah, I don't see how they're not going to, just given how how this game is. I don't even know how to say more than that, but where it is in the in the continuity, how everything worked out, I could totally see there being multiple follow-ups to this game and them working incredibly well. And I mean, not to mention the fact that they used a, a core canon character extremely well and we talked about it on the episode it's a huge spoiler for the game so i'm not going to do it here in case you didn't listen to that one but there is something that they do with a core character to the series that blew me away and i loved it so the the force user story the star wars story you know even the production values like just this game is really good start to finish i think both of us could easily recommend it yep absolutely and we have and do and are and there's a whole episode about it. If you guys want to hear, just go back a couple or maybe it's even true. one. I don't remember. December gets weird with recording. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> it does. My number two is Cadence of Hyrule. So this is where... Which blows me away. I didn't why? expect okay, tell this me to be on your list. Okay. So this game is really, really good. I hit a point in it where I turned off all the... I don't like rhythm games. Y'all know that. You know, I don't like the the original Crypt of the Necro Dancer. But I bought this one uh, because you can turn off the, the rhythm aspect of it and take your time, do everything. It's great. I loved the game until I just kind of didn't care anymore. It was one of those for me where it's like, it's great. It's still on my Switch. I'll eventually turn it back on and have a really, really good Zelda experience. But it's just something I haven't gone back to. And... I haven't heard you mention it again, that after you beat it, after you had that that initial uh, bump of it, like just how good it was, I haven't heard you talk about it again. And so to see it show up on your end of year list really surprised me because I knew you liked it. I didn't know that you loved it. Yeah, I did. And I think it was pretty fresh when we did our like mid games of the year episode mm-hmm. that we always check in. And so I talked about it there, but I was probably hesitant because it was still so fresh that there's that recency bias playing in effect. Um, but thinking back on the year, this is absolutely one of my favorite games. Like it has that music and rhythm game element to it, which I like when it's executed well. And oh, wow, it's executed so well in this game. But it has, and this is the reason I put it above Sayonara Wild Hearts. It has more structure than that. It has more gameplay mm-hmm. than that. It's not just an experience. 
it's an experience and you can get into that flow state and i got into that flow state so many times with this game but it's also a zelda game it's like a traditional zelda explore the world get new powers get new equipment beat the bosses defeat the dungeons it has all of that and yet it's a rhythm music game and it's just it's incredible it i can't believe how good this game is it's one where the first time I played it, I think I played 15 minutes. I was like, huh, it's kind of interesting. And then I came back a day or two later and I played like half an hour and I was like, yeah, this is interesting, but I don't know if I get it. And then the third time I sat down with it, it just clicked. And I played mm. six hours and I beat the game nonstop. Like I just, I barreled through because I got into the flow state. It finally clicked with me and I just played it. I just played it until I was done with it. And it was like, wow. And then a few weeks later after that, I came back to it and uh, I sat down and I was like, oh, let me just mess around with this for like 15 minutes, half an hour. And I ended up playing another four hours of it nonstop because it Good has night. that flow state. So, yeah, it definitely it's my second game of the year. My number two. I love that game. And I'm glad. Like, I'm really glad because the last time you went through and played all of the Zelda games, when you were playing through the entire series, there were a lot of them that didn't hold up. Where you like the idea of those Zeldas and of Zelda in general, but the games themselves weren't as spectacular to you as you thought they should be or were uh, at one point. So for this one to really hit home is, is really, really, it makes me happy to hear that because it means the series hasn't lost what it is it's just those games in particular didn't hold up yeah for sure that's an amazing game i just i loved it so much so yeah that's my number two game of the year list um before we get to our number one game of the year we have a sudden guest host that has a last minute review sorry i'm late everybody this is your wife i just wanted to talk briefly about how awesome plants are and i came into the room while Void was recording to get a plant that really needs to be watered, and I decided to merge games and plants and talk about Arboretum. It's not a video game, it's a card game, and the first time we played it, we played it all four of us, so mom, dad, and two kids, and... No, you have it on your thing already. Did you already talk about it? Very briefly, not as much as you are, though. Well... I haven't even said anything yet. Now you get to say all your things about it. Well, it's not going to be any fun now. Oh. Oh. You don't want to record about it? Well, I do, but you already put it, you already have it in your agenda. Yeah, I talked about it because it was really good. It was really good. I. It was the only thing because you won't let me talk about plants. Okay, talk about Arboretum. I talked about it for 10 seconds. Arboretum is the only one that's game and plants. Oh, so you just want me to talk about Arboretum. Okay, well, the first time we played it, I didn't want to play it at all. I was having a really bad day, and Void said that it was about building, like, a park or a thing with a bunch of trees, and I was totally not into it, but the cards are so beautiful, and there are six there are six ty- kinds of trees, and I don't know. I don't remember any of them. I'm all thrown off now because it's on your agenda. Thanks. You scrolled down, so now I can't see. <laughs> it's the not on the agenda anymore. <laughs> no. Now I can read the. Re- oh, ooh, spoilers! I know what your number one is. Well, <laughs> this has been a complete waste of time. Okay. <laughs> we'll record our number ones then. <laughs> I'm just going to go leave all of my that. plants. Okay. <laughs> You absolutely have to leave every bit of that and have it ending with her saying, I'm just going to go water my plants. Uh, Okay, perfect. Um, Best thing ever. So uh, end of the year, 
top games of the year what do you have for your number one dragon quest builders 2 again this year has just surprised me so much about what games i would have loved as much as i did that my number one game of the year that I've spent the most time on is the number one game on the Switch that I've spent the most time on, too. When you rank your games, I have more time in DQ Builders 2 than anything else, and it's a building game. Me, a building game, is my number one thing on everything like it's nuts on how good this game is and i don't have you even tried this one yet i know that you tried the demo but uh, did you ever play anything beyond that um no i think i only tried the demo i might have rented it at one point from gamefly like the first one but i never tried uh, builders 2 beyond the demo yeah, the, the first one I still haven't gone back to. I, I've thought about it. I'm like, uh, too many quality of life improvements in the second one. But this game is number one because of those quality of life improvements. This is the first... Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase this. This is an action RPG that has incredibly simple combat and building as a thing that happens in it but it feels almost like an action rpg and the building does not seem like it's tedious in this as you're putting things together uh, because there's a story that goes along with it and when i say that there's a story it's not even a a a, a cursory story just to have it moving it along that there is a real story being told like an rpg as you go through all of these different islands and worlds and you you become connected to these characters, to the Builder and to Malroth and the other villagers that you connect with. And at one point in the game, you actually get mad. And everybody I've talked to who got to this point has gotten mad at things the game is making you do. And it will not let you move beyond those. And it gives you the choice of things to do. But it's not a choice because if you choose to do what all of us want to do, the game blocks you from doing it to move the story along and it stinks like it makes you emotionally invested in this in the building game mind you and i never thought that would happen like so many people i've talked to about this it's just a fantastic game that if you like action rpgs if you like dragon quest if you like uh, building games especially this is the only building game i've ever been able to get into and i'm still going back into it and playing uh to get like build just build the stuff that I'm working on my castle and my air fortress and things like that. It is just an incredibly incredibly good game. Yeah, I'm glad that you liked it so much. I'm very surprised that you liked a building game at all. Yeah. Much less me having too. it be your game of the year. That's so surprising for me. Yeah, I mean that that really is like a building game at all because usually I bounce off in maybe half an hour. Like that is a a long time for me to play a building game and for it to be the number one game I've played on Switch in terms of time, that says a lot in and of itself and then just how much fun it is to play. That really is where it ended up why it ended up being number 1 is because this is a game that once everything is done, you don't have any more story, you don't have anything else to do other than just live in the sandbox it's fun to play and live in that sandbox so yeah absolutely my number one game this year that's awesome no i'm so glad i'm, I'm always happy when you find a game that you like that much much less one that surprises you like that that it's not something yeah. you would think that you like but you ended up liking it so that's that's great um 
My number one is your number three. So yes. this is Fire Emblem Three Houses, which should yeah. surprise no one because we recorded a whole episode about it, and I've been talking about how much I love it all year. So good. Mm, so good. Like this one was almost like number one or two. I bounced stuff between uh, like number one and number two or number two and three specifically. This one could very easily be like number two for me uh, in terms of uh, game of the year too. Like it could be better than Jedi Fallen Order. I kind of just chose uh, at that point and ordered them. But yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, sometimes you got to do that. You just got to make a choice when a, with a list like this. But I mean, everything from the gameplay with the strategy elements in it to the quality of life things that they've improved over other Fire Emblem games to all of the stories, like all of the individual characters that you can build up, you can make them these incredible monster of a warrior in the strategy game and then they're completely different personality or they're like a completely perfect personality for that when you're not in the strategy part like i had so much fun getting to know the characters and then pairing them up and getting their relationship levels higher so that they would have interactions and that their bond would get stronger and i I liked everything in this game right this is like a complete package for me it's not just the story. It's not just the characters. It's not just the gameplay. It's all of that working in concert together. And I liked every one of those aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So whereas some of the other games in my top five, it was like, this is because of story. This is because of gameplay. This is because of whatever. Fire Emblem Three Houses is number one because it's all of those. And I just, I love this game so much. I want to play more of it. I've played one and a half times through it. So I beat the game and then I went back with New Game Plus and I'm about halfway through a second run. I think this is probably going to be, once I finally settle in for winter break, um, you know, get a couple weeks off of work, this is probably going to be like one of the main things that I want to get back to. And this is one of those where I'm the same way. I am. I have it uninstalled on my Switch right now because I needed the space to install Dragon Quest XI-S. Uh, and I'm going to uninstall it. Actually, no, it was to install Nino Kuni. Excuse me, I was wrong. Um, but I'm going to reinstall it uh, over Christmas because I want to play it. I want to continue my new game plus that I ended up just getting distracted by other games this year where I need to see what happens in the story and how the rest of it plays out and continue on the harder difficulty. That I love the new game plus, I love the characters, and I'm going to have to get used to the systems again once I go back in because it's not fresh and I haven't played it in a while but it's just such a good game and this is my first fire emblem game and it's such a good jumping in point that if you've if you've been on the fence about it it's absolutely a game to start with that you're not going to feel overwhelmed at at all right and i mean there are games that there are games that you want to get back to there are games that you go oh yeah i should get back to that or oh yeah i might want to go re-experience that but sometimes you get a game that there's just this like itch in the back of your mind that you're like i need to play this again like i Mm -hmm. need to go back i want to experience it i'm just so psyched and that's how i feel for a fire emblem right now even though this game came out months ago at this point like this is one of the main things that I want to do with some of my time off from work is go back and play more of this game, even though I've beaten it once. And if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what does. It's just it's an amazing strategy RPG. And I loved it start to finish. It was great. Yeah, it's just it's just great. I guess that's the way to put it, that this is a game where you have four different story paths and you can beat it four times and get those stories, but most likely three times to beat the three houses uh, are going to be what most people would do and call it quits. I'm really thinking I'm going to do it. 
I really think that as I go through all of this and do it, I'll do a New Game Plus again after this to see what the Golden Deer looks like on the other side of it all. Yeah, so that's it. That's our games of the year. All good games, even honorable mentions. Hopefully you guys heard something in here that you are interested in playing. So I'm always happy when we can inspire people to play more games. Um, if you have games of the year, send them our way. Send them our way on all the places you can reach us. We're not going to plug everything right now because we try not to do that on Games of the Year podcast, but you know the places to reach us, Slack, Discord, all the things. Um, that's probably it for this one. Uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com. Reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast, or we have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And as we mentioned just a second ago, we have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for those invite links. And while you're there, you can check out all the rest of the content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beach with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week, and this might be the last one of the year. That might do it for this year. See you next year, geeks? Year? Yeah, yeah. Party! Hey Geeks, this is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the Geek2Geek Media Network. If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks, be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash CapsuleJ. That's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8pm to 11pm Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then! Hi! My name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello friends, this is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey, that's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to teatimewithkc.com and geek2geekmedia.com to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts. Bye! Bye.